It's patterned after the very nature of God. God created the heavens and the earth and everything that there is in six literal days and rested on the seventh day. We're told in Genesis 2, 2, on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had made. So let's today consider a couple things. I want us to consider two lines of thought. One, dealing with our physical labor, and the second one, dealing with our spiritual labor. Father, I ask that as we look into your word this morning, that you would not only open our eyes and remind us of what we should be doing both in our our mentality and attitudes and our physical work that you called us to, but also, Lord, in our spiritual labor and the uh, labor that we do uh, both for you and uh, benefit others uh, within the church, uh, within the community. We ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes and an understanding of how we should be in our mentality and attitudes there as well. Help me to share very clearly the truth of your word. Lord, may your Holy Spirit take it and bring it home to us individually in such a way that we would respond to you, whether you are using it to convict us or whether you are using it to encourage us, that we may leave out of here better prepared to serve you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've already seen um, a command that God has given us concerning labor. God places uh, that command and places a great emphasis upon our working physically. Even he commands us not to be slothful. Well, the word slothful means what? To be lazy. And he says if a man will not uh, work, neither should he eat. And I think that uh, is something that we normally would look at. It's very important for us to have that mentality. There's too many in our society today they want free handouts, so they were certainly capable of going out to work, but they'd much rather stand on the street corner or, or apply for some uh, uh, government aid of some sort and not work when they could be working. And some of them even prove that because they work under the table, so to speak. Uh, if you pay the cash, I'll come and work, and we won't, we won't let the government know about this because they say I can't work uh, and get the double gift the same thing anyway. You know how that is. Mentality is that we are to be having the mentality that I should work if I can to provide for me and my family, and, and we'll see not only for me and my family, but even for others as we have opportunity to help. So in Scripture, God commands us, uh, the master-servant relationship is, is exemplified of the relationship of the employee-employee relationship. So when we read in Scripture, we gather some or glean some, some principles from these in our work ethic. And I want us to look at that. There are three in particular. One has found right here in Ephesians 6. We'll pick up reading in verse 5. Servants, be obedient unto them that are your masters according to the flesh, your physical masters and your physical work. Uh, be obedient to them with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart and the single uh, purpose of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers. You don't just work while they're watching you uh, to, to impress them. But as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, um, with good will, doing service as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, 
the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free, whether you be actually a slave or whether you be free in that relationship with your master servant as an employee-employee relationship. So we have this principle, number one, that we are to be obedient. Uh, the person that you work for, your boss, your supervisor, are you obedient? Uh, that you do the things that they ask? We should, unless they're asking something illegal or immoral. Uh, we are to be doing the things that they say. Even if you have a better idea, okay, you still do it the way that they say. Because they are your boss. They're your supervisor. They're the ones that you are you're working for. And you're to do it, he said, so about three different times there, as unto the Lord, as unto Christ. We are to work with them as if it was Jesus Christ we were working for. So it's the mentality there of obedience uh, to the good and to the not so good. According to 1 Peter 2, 18, servants be subject to your masters with all fear and with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward to those that are not so good and not so gentle. And next, there's a mentality or a principle that we see about testimony for God and for the gospel. In 1 Timothy 6, in verse 1, Timothy writes, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Let us many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. <clears throat> we are to relate to our boss, to our employer, as one with respecting them for the purpose that God and his doctrine be not bad-mouthed, be not talked about. If that's a Christian, if that guy claims to be a Christian, I don't want anything to do with God. That mentality. And there are plenty of Christians by name out there that are giving God and the gospel a bad name. We, as genuine Christians, should not be a part of that group. We ought to have the right testimony. Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not talking about, not mouthing off is the idea. Not purloining, the word means stealing, taking from them. Um, my dad... Um, used to work for, for a company here in Richmond and he said uh, stealing got so bad uh, that you couldn't even take something broke uh, away from the factory. And uh, because people would actually go and break something just so that they could take it. Um, folks, we ought not to be involved in that kind of mentality, not stealing, but showing all good fidelity, all faithfulness in our service to them. That, here's the purpose that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. We ought to live and we ought to operate in front of our employer in such a way that they see our faithfulness, they see our obedience, they see our attitude, they see our response to them uh, with, with respect, uh, and it gives a good name for God, a good testimony for God and for His gospel that we give out. Not only those two areas, but then there's benevolence. Uh, Ephesians 4, 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that, here's the purpose, 
that he may have to give to him that needed. Not only, as I said a while ago, not only do we work just to provide for our needs of our family and ourselves, but we work to also have the opportunity to be able to help another in benevolence, in helping out them that are in need. So let me ask you a question concerning your work mentality. Do you like to work or do you dread to work? Is work something that you have to do or something that you get to do? You say, well, Pastor, you just don't understand my job. You don't understand what I've got to put up with at work. You don't understand my supervisor. Well, as a pastor, I understand my supervisor. So you got it good. God's perfect. But I've not always been a pastor. I started out working in a bank. Oh, that would be work, I tell you. Not always. I've worked uh, as a janitor, cleaning classrooms, cleaning toilets. I worked for a man when I was a janitor that said to me, he looked and said, I want these toilets clean enough that you can eat off of them. And I thought to myself, I didn't say that, I thought to myself, I wouldn't eat off of this toilet that is brand new out of the, the, the store, let alone after I cleaned it. Uh, especially knowing we've had books on that. But anyway, that was a dirty job. That was a Christian employer. But it was a difficult man to deal still. I worked for McLean Trucking Company on the docks. If any of you know anything about trucking companies on the docks, you know a little bit about what went on there. Um, my supervisor there, I had several supervisors there, depending on the shifts. Uh, third shift was when I worked most of the time, because I was going to school and college. And so uh, we were working in between there best we could, but um, there were difficulties that I would have to labor. And one of the things that I had in mind as I labored was my testimony. Because the reason that I got hired, I walked in to to McLean Truck and Company office. I was a little slender than I am now, but I had on a, a nice suit coat and tie. I walked in and I said I'd like to uh, apply for a position on the dock. And uh, a manager came out and looked at me and he said, uh, you go to Piedmont Bible College? I said, yes, sir. He says, you're hired. That I've got several of you uh, students uh, that work here and you have a real good testimony. And I thought the Lord right then, I want to make sure I continue that testimony for the Lord. It's all part. You see, no matter what job that we have, we are to be working and we're to be doing it as unto the Lord. And we're to be doing it as a testimony for the Lord. And we're to be doing it not just to provide our own needs, but to put us in a position that we can even help someone else. Some wrong mentalities uh, that people have at work is one you hear quite often in TGIF. I'm glad the week's over. I'm done with this work and I can get to life. Yeah. Um, that tells you a little bit about your mentality and work. Um, some people have to say that work is a four-letter word. 
That's their mentality about work, their, their viewpoint of that work. Even the mentality that says, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. <laughs> um, we're not just working because we got bills to pay, but we're working because it is a fulfillment of life. Uh, I've often thought, um, the older I get, I think, you know, what would I do to myself if I retire? Now I know there are plenty of jobs around my house that I can stay busy with. Busy with, just to that. <laughs> but then there's going to run out of those things. And then what am I going to do with myself? I'm not going to want to sit around in a chair unless my health doesn't allow me to do anything else. But, um, but we want to be active. God made us with that desire. And we want to continue the best that we can doing those things that He allows. And sometimes retirement is a good opportunity for further service of the Lord in the church and the community. Uh, I do think. I know a man uh, that I just spoke with him this past week that retired um, uh, 16 years ago, about age 55. And, um, and he has been volunteering in so many different areas and working in his church. And, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, that's, that's great to, to have the health and to be able to do those type of things um, in that time. Because God has made us to want to be active and that we should be in that mentality even in our, in our jobs. It's not something that we have to do for money, but it's an opportunity for testimony. It's an opportunity for fulfillment. There's coming a day when we're not going to be able to work. There's coming a day when it's going to be gone. And that's why it's important, as Jesus said, work while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Uh, I came across this poem that, that reads, it says, He does not leave me year by year, nor even day by day, but step by step my path unfolds, the Lord directs my way. Tomorrow's plans I do not know. I only know this minute. But he will say, this is the way, by faith now walking in it. And I am glad that it is so. Today is enough to bear. And when tomorrow comes, his grace shall far exceed its care. What need to worry then or fret? The God who gave his Son holds all my moments in his hand and gives them one by one. And that's what he does. And he expects us to take those opportunities, those minutes, those steps, one by one, and to use it for his glory, for the testimony of the word of God, and for our fulfillment. Each day, God has work for us to do, and we are to represent him faithfully. I have entitled the message, Laboring for the Master. We ought to be faithfully laboring for him. That leads us into our next thought, our next consideration, and that is our spiritual labor. And I want you to turn with me over to Romans chapter 12. Our spiritual labor, Romans chapter 12. We've been talking about our service to the Lord, actually all service that we do, all of our laboring, as I mentioned a while ago, is to be unto the Lord. Colossians 3 and verse 23 says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, with all your heart, all you might, as unto the Lord and not unto men. Uh, but now I want us to, to look specifically at our spiritual service, our spiritual service um, that we're to be doing unto the Lord, laboring 
to be done unto him uh, and for him. In Romans chapter 12, one, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I'll talk about that service that God uh, gives unto us, our reasonable service, our logical response in light of all that he has done for us. There are three things in particular that I want us to understand about this labor, about the service that we're to do according to Romans 12 and verse 1. The first one is that godly service, well, let me ask you in form of question. Godly service should be motivated by what? Be careful of the answer because it's in this verse. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. What are the mercies of God? Well, it's His goodness that He bestows upon us because of His great love. God is faithful in His service, of, uh, in His display of His mercies unto us uh, in such a way. He beseeches us, God through the Apostle Paul, beseeches us to present our bodies unto God. Uh, the word beseech means to beg or to entreat, to ask, uh, uh, to encourage to. It's not a command. Let me ask you this. Why do you think God doesn't command us to present our lives a living sacrifice, which is a reasonable, logical service? I believe the answer is God wants us to do that willingly. He wants it to come from a willing heart. And again, so many of the things that, are, that, are, that God requires of us, He wants it out of a willing response to us in our service to Him. So God's service is motivated by the mercies of God, His goodness unto us. Um, what are some of the mercies of God that Paul was referring to? Because he uses the word, I beseech you, therefore. Therefore is that bridge word that, that ties back to something in advance. And he has shared with us in previous chapters, in chapters 4 and 5, for instance, he talks about justification. God has given to those of us that trust Christ as Savior, he has given justification. He's made us just as if we had never sinned. Justification also has the idea of being declared righteous before God. God, not only at salvation, when we, we choose to trust Christ as our Savior, He not only takes away our sin and removes it as far as the East is from the West, but He also deposits to our account the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're declared righteous in God's eyes. No matter how much we've ever sinned, no matter what kind of sin we've ever done, when we choose to trust Christ as our Savior, God saves us then. He declares us righteous. We are justified before Him. What a great uh, mercy that God gives unto us. In chapter 6 through 8, we have a freedom from the penalty of sin and the very power of sin. No longer are we under the dominion of sin in our life, but we have the freedom to choose to yield our bodies unto God and to righteousness or to yield our bodies unto sin. 
It's not a forced thing. We're not under the bondage of sin anymore. In chapter 8, we have salvation and assurance. We have an inheritance with Jesus Christ, and we have the Holy Spirit's help. What great mercies we have. In chapters 9 through 11, there's salvation offered to the Gentiles. How many Gentiles do we have here today? Everybody that's not a Jew, you see. And praise the Lord for His goodness and His mercy to save us Gentiles. And to offer that, uh, whoa, what a great mercy that is. And there are some of the mercies of God that we have given to us and that come to mind that Paul shared. Uh, they are His lo loving uh, mercy and His loving kindness that He gives to us. And it came to mind that great passage in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Where it says it does the Lord's mercies, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions, his love, his loving mercy, his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God is faithful in his mercies to us, and his loving mercy should be a motivation in our life. Second Corinthians uh, 5, I believe it's verse uh, 14. Uh, it is the love of Christ that constrains us, that motivates us. And we need to recognize that motivation uh, properly. And so His loving goodness uh, that we see here, His mercies, I beseech you by the mercies of God, uh, shouldn't these mercies be sufficient to motivate our heart to labor for the Lord, labor for the Master? I think it should. Godly service is motivated by the mercies of God. Secondly, godly service is strongly tied to sacrifice. Look at the second part of the verse. He's about to seek you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Sacrifice is tied to our service of worship unto the Lord. And so I want you to remember with King David, uh, it's told about King David that he went to a man named Ornan that owned a field on the top of Mount Moriah. It was a threshing floor there. This of course, was way before there was a Jerusalem. The Temple Mount was sitting on Mount Moriah there in Jerusalem. And this is where this story takes place. And he goes to Ornan, and he's going to offer a sacrifice unto the Lord. And Ornan says, hey, uh, <clears throat> there's the, the land. Here's the oxen. Uh, here's the instruments that we use for plowing and so forth with the oxen. You can have it all and sacrifice them and use the, the instruments for fire. Uh, you can have it all to sacrifice unto God. And David said, oh, thank you, God. He said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take it free. I'm going to pay you full price. Here's what he said. In 1 Chronicles 21 and verse 24, King David said, Nay, but I will verily, I will truly buy it, uh, for the, uh, buy it for the full price. For I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. I will not serve the Lord in worship without cost. It's going to cost me something. That's important. Service in the Lord should be a sacrifice on our part. It's tied to sacrifice in this verse. And so we need to understand 
the sacrifice that is that is there by example. Another example, uh, um, sometime before uh, King David was on top, well, I'll get to that just a minute here. But, uh, sacrifice, the whole point is that service to God should be a part of our sacrifice unto Him that's connected with Him. Not only do we see then godly service is motivated by the mercies of God, and the godly service is strongly tied to the sacrifice, but godly service, uh, sacrificial service, is a form of our worship. Notice the last part of the verse. It says, uh, We are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, your logical service. Uh, some translations even say your service of worship. Because the word is, is tied to that. The Greek word for service uh, is closely tied to worship. In religious significance, it meant the service or worship of the Greek gods. And Paul borrowed that term to use for our service of worship unto God here. The same word. And it means your, your reasonable service, your service of worship unto the Lord. Our service unto God should be tied to worship. And I, I want us to see that on the same uh, Mount Moriah before David. There was a man on top of Mount Moriah with his son. He went up from his servants that he left at the bottom of the hill. And he took his son. They took the wood. They took the fire. And they went up the hill. And his son Isaac asked Abraham, Father, we have the wood and we have the fire, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Jared, what did you say? God will provide himself a sacrifice. What a prophetic statement. Because it all represented what Jesus Christ would do for us. Because if you know, remember what happened there on top of Mount Moriah is Abraham went to sacrifice his son according to Hebrews, believing that God would raise him up because he was the promised seed. And as he got ready to sacrifice his son, God stopped him. And he showed him a ram caught in a thicket. And he said, that's the substitute sacrificing. The ram represented Jesus Christ. God did provide himself the sacrifice. He provided himself as the sacrifice in Jesus Christ. God the Son, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And when he died there on Calvary, he paid the penalty of all our sin to such a degree that when we trust Christ as Savior, as I said a while ago, no matter how much sin, no matter what kind of sin, he totally forgives us our sin and, and removes it. Jesus Christ paid it all. Amen. All that he on the other. We ought to be motivated by the mercies and the goodness and love of God in what he has done. The reason that this is important to understand is because what Abraham said in verse 5 of Genesis 22. When he left his servants there uh, at the bottom of the hill of Mount Moriah and went up with his son, he says, we're going to go up and worship and then we'll come back unto you. Notice he also said, we'll come back to you. Faith in, in what God was going to do. 
But he uses the word worship. I'm going to go out and sacrifice worship, he says, and then I'll be coming back down. Our labor of service unto the Lord is worship unto him. And we need to understand the tie of that worship. It is our reasonable service. It's our logical response to all of his mercies that he has done for us that we should be willing to sacrifice ourselves and to serve him. Our service to the Lord should be a sacrifice. Some people are not willing to sacrifice to serve God. If I got the time left over, it's not too taxing upon my energy. If, if nothing else is going on, I'll serve the Lord. What about sacrifice to serve the Lord? Sometimes serving God is not easy. Sometimes serving God is, is not always fun in itself. It's a joy because we're doing it under the Lord. Sometimes it's not always convenient to serve the Lord. We have to sacrifice what we had intended in order to do what He would be pleased with. And so it's important for us to realize that our service to the Lord then is motivated by the mercies of God. It's tied to our sacrifice and it's a form of our worship unto Him. Let me ask you this morning. How are you when it comes to laboring for the Master? What's your evaluation of yourself? Understand, God's already evaluated. He knows where we are. He wants you to evaluate yourself today. Every head bow, please, and eyes closed, uh, ladies that are coming to the instruments. <clears throat> are you laboring for the Master? How is your mentality? in your performance, in your physical labor? How is your mentality and your performance in the physical labor? Your work, your job. Are you obedient to your master, your boss, your supervisor, your warrior? You're doing it in such a way that you have a testimony of your faithfulness in that work? Is your opportunity of service in your job one that produces a benevolence opportunity that you can help others in need? How about your mentality and performance in your spiritual labor? If we are motivated by the mercies of God, shouldn't we first know what those mercies are? God has revealed them in His Word, and again, it's one more opportunity that we that we should know that teach me your way, O Lord.
Before I can claim your mercies and be enjoying them, I must know what they are. If we are to serve God properly, we must understand that service is tied to sacrifice and be willing to pay the price. Are you? Christianity is not passivity, it's activity. Well, let me warn you, even in activity, commotion, activity, without devotion, our spirituality is emptiness. We must have a heart for the Lord. God wants to do a work in us before He does work through us. He wants us to have a heart for Him as we seek to serve others and Him. We must prepare our heart then through worship in our mind through the Word of God and then our body will be ready to sacrifice itself in service. So let me ask you to evaluate this morning. Is there something that God wants you to adjust? Is there something that God wants you to do in service of the Lord for Him? Is there someone at work maybe you need to apologize for an attitude or a response? Or maybe there's something you need to do in picking up your faithfulness and, and your, your mentality as you're working for your boss. Is there something that God wants to adjust in your life today? Or maybe is it something that God is just using to encourage you, continue to do what's right that you're doing? My question, and I hope you'll answer in your heart this morning, is are you laboring for the Master? Are you laboring for the Master? Father, I pray that each one of us today will ask and answer that question honestly in our own minds. Lord, help us not to walk out of here without dealing with it. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here today that has never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, oh, the love and mercy of God that He makes available and has made available through Jesus Christ dying on the cross and rising again the third day. All of our sins can be removed. All of Christ's righteousness can be deposited. That's the only way that any of us will ever be worthy of entering into your heaven. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Great is your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we ask these